the Production Expert Podcast with James Ivey, Julian Rogers, and Audrey Martinovich. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 401. Believe it or not, it's the 8th of January 2020. Happy New Year, happy new decade. My name's James Ivey. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Audrey Martinovich. We are back. There's no getting rid of us. Um, and they've let the kids have the keys to the asylum. Uh, Audrey, tell me about the first deals of 2020. Uh, we have some great deals from Accusonis, Antelope Audio, Avid, Editor's Keys, Focusrite, Isotope, Personas, Sonarworks, Synchro Arts, and Universal Audio on our deals page. Fantastic stuff. Let's jump into the first round of talking points. And these are sponsored by our friends at Arturia. Hello experts and listeners, Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia now has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release three delays you'll actually use includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suites included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use, and must for any professional studio. Thank you, sir. Okay, so let's um, dive into this one. And I thought we would start with this particular um issue stroke subject stroke call it what you will well talking point even because um for a change we actually have someone with us who has a professional commercial studio uh step up to the plate audrey if you will to use the um, um, american sporting vernacular um <laughs> so how do you set your prices are they flexible and or fixed dive in go audrey all right well i <laughs> thank you for that introduction um i I'm really glad that we're talking about this for the first podcast of 2020 because at the beginning of the year I always kind of look at my rates and I'm like should I do something different this coming year should I try a project rate instead of an hourly rate so I'm kind of having that debate uh, with myself right now so I'll tell you what uh, we've traditionally done and then kind of what I'm thinking about maybe for the next uh, you know year few years just to try it out. We'll see. Cool. So um, right now, we usually use an hourly rate for anything that is in studio. So a client comes here, uh, they record a music project, um, you know, kind of a one-off thing. We get a lot of student recitals. You know, someone comes in, I just want to play piano for my mom's birthday song, and I'm going to give it to her, that kind of thing. So we have one hourly rate for that. Um, we have like a corporate hourly rate. So a client comes in, wants to do voiceover uh, work for a radio ad. That's usually a pretty quick session. Um, so we kind of bump that rate up a little bit more because those corporate guys have, you know, they've got the money to burn usually. Um, and because we do a lot of work with students, we have a student discounted rate also. Um, and then a long term project rate. So for albums or, you know, whatever ends up being more than like 10 hours of studio time, we have a discounted rate for that. And that one requires a deposit up front. 
Um, so if you've been listening to this and are like, how can you keep track of all those different rates? That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I also have uh, a lot of musicians in town who are good friends of mine who I know are on a budget trying to get out their first, you know, big album project rather than just a bunch of series of singles or LPs or something. Um, and so there's like this soft spot of me that wants to give everybody a break that comes in too. So some people I, I do like, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room there uh, for those kind of clients. So our rates have traditionally been those hourly rates, but with a little bit of flexibility. Um, and then we do a lot of off-site recording as well for recitals, concerts, uh, stuff like that. And that tends to be more of a project rate. So we think, okay, we have to go and set this up. We might have to do a walkthrough of the hall in advance. There's a lot more coordination with the venue than obviously we'd have to do if it was just a project that's right here. Um, and there's a lot more setup time because we're bringing everything fresh to this new site. So that that tends to be more of just a you know, $500, six, you know, it depends on how many inputs they've got going on, but um, that's more of a, just a, a set rate. Um, so in my research over this past year, I have read a lot about how that people who tend to do project rates um, actually tend to make a little bit more money. Um, and I, I've thought that Eli has said something about how he thinks that kind of, you know, that hourly rates tend to be a little bit more fair, um, which I would definitely agree with. But I also uh, think that it kind of all comes out in the wash at the end. Like I might spend more time on a certain project than I've budgeted for, but the next one might finish up a little quicker than I budgeted for. So at least from my perspective, it all adds up evenly. But I'm curious if either of you have an opinion on um, what to do in that situation. Because, um, I mean, yeah, our rates could come up a little bit probably, but we just, are also... Just to sort of backtrack into yeah, that a yeah. little bit, if I may, without actually sure. get, digging down into the numbers, because quite frankly... I don't know the the local scene where you are. I don't sure. know how th- how things work out. Obviously, I mean, I'm relatively in central London, which puts me in a a whole world of pain when it comes to competition. But right. how is the Madison Studio community? Are you one of many? Are you one of a few? Are you the go to guys for uh, the kind of acoustic stroke classical world? Are there lots of um, sort of project project studio type producer one man band type things popping up or where do you sit in the in the in the kind of the the ecosystem I think like with anything we do have a lot of project studios you know musicians or producers around here who have just kind of started their own little home setup Um, but as far as professional studios go uh, there are a few around here I mean we are in a uh, this is Madison Wisconsin so um, it's a major metropolitan area but not you know super huge like no one moves to the Midwest to make music usually Um, but we are a little bit set apart because we are the only studio uh, in town with a grand piano. So we do get a lot of the classical jazz acoustic uh, musicians here. And that's kind of our bread and butter. Uh, most of the other studios in town are uh, rock or hip hop. Um, and there's even a lot of, of like friendly crossover. So if, um, you know, one of the guys at another studio needs to record some piano, we'll rent the studio to them to come and do their piano tracks. So there's there's friendliness there. There's not really a whole uh, lot 
lot of of competition, uh, at least as far as the music stuff goes, uh, with podcasts and uh, things like that. That's starting to pick up a little bit more, I've noticed. Um, but that that's kind of where we sit in the ecosystem. We do tend to be one of the more expensive studios in town compared to uh, the guys who just do like rap you know, for instance, because there's a lot more uh, set up and we have to, you know, we get the piano tuned before every session. And usually that's just kind of built into the rate also. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we sit in there. That's that's cool. I mean, I mean, that, that that's the thing, I think, because you actually have um, or certainly from like the pictures we get on Facebook and the stuff that we've seen through your articles on the site, um, you know, you've got some serious investment in gear, in space, right. in, micro- in microphones. Oh, it's after my own heart. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've put you've put some serious time and effort into procuring the gear you've got. And now there's nothing to, there's nothing wrong with saying that you can't make great gear on a laptop and a smaller interface. You can, but right. but that's not your space in the world, is it? Yeah, you're, and, you're and also there's some stuff that you can't. And, there's loads you can do with a laptop and a microphone, but there's an awful lot of stuff you can't do. Yeah. But yeah, right, yeah, you're exactly. not in. Um, what I'm hearing is, Audrey, you're not in competition with these little kind of hip hop studios and stuff, just because no. because of your your point of difference. Not, I mean, the, the 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 asset I'm seeing. I mean, the piano is a great asset, but mm-hmm. so is the space, and that's something that yeah, you know, it's I thing would that, give body parts for. Yeah, I'd, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is true because we're you know, there's not a lot of places where if you have a really you know sizable drum kit or we record timpani also. So if if you have something like that, then just the space alone, which also means more overhead, um, you just can't go to a, a bedroom producer to record a drum kit. I mean, I mean, we have you'd, you'd have to have. You'd have to have a church for something like that. I know. <laughs> With an easy load ramp and everything. Having having space to record Tim's James doesn't mean being able to fit them in, which you can't do anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah, my, my big my big drawback in my place is height. Um, oh, sure. Because I don't have any, basically. <laughs> um no, it's it's quite interesting because you you've come you're coming to it from a very much a studio rate point of view. Right. I come to it with a slightly different kind of point of view. Um, the way I see it is either you book me and you get the studio or you book the studio and you get me. Sure. Now, that is slightly different for when I'm doing kind of location recording work. I mean, the whole point of my – the reason my studio is called Location Recordings is because the whole thing of, was to, designed to go to – record gigs and record concerts and record live sessions rather than mm-hmm. it, everyone come to the studio. Ironically, as soon as I started calling the company Location Recordings, everyone is, said, do you have a studio? I said, well, no, that's not really the, the <laughs> point. Um, but that that is something I'm looking into over the, over the coming sort of years, weeks, months and years. But um, So I, I tend to look at it as my daily rate is – if, if you want me, you get me and everything that I own. If I have to pull things in or if, if you want, if you're, you know, you start saying, oh, I need 50 of this and 60 of that and we've got to run things 200 metres and I start saying, whoa, 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 you know. I, I have a lot of kit in my arsenal. Don't take the pee. 
So we then sort of will start to renegotiate what they actually need for their project and the equipment that I can realistically take to them right. or, or whatever. Um, if it's in the studio and they're working with me here, it's it's the, it's at their disposal. You know, there's no kind of oh, you want that amp? Oh, that's an extra twenty quid. Right. Exactly. It's, it's not like a rehearsal studio where you, everything has a price tag on it, an hourly rate tag on it. That's not the way mm-hmm. I work here. Um, I, if if you sound better on a a thousand dollar mic than a two thousand dollar mic, then we'll use the thousand dollar one, and I'm not giving you a discount just because you're using a cheaper mic. Um, right. And I know there are some studios that work like that. That's not my thing. I, I I have enough problems keeping track of the numbers and how many days or hours anyone's been here, let alone what gear they used. Exactly. Uh, that's not part of my thing. Um, so I tend I tend to look at it. Look, I have a rate that I I I'm willing to work to. Um, it's generally a nine till six day. With an hour for lunch, I'm not paying for lunch unless unless you we build that into the into the remit but yeah that's pretty much how i do things there's a little bit of wiggle room if we're on the last take or the last the last moments of an edit or whatever we'll we'll carry on there's no kind of union says we stop at six we stop at six it's those Mm -hmm. days are long gone well they certainly have over here i don't know what it's like in the states but um, i know you're very much more held under union rules in certain parts of the world but, Mostly um, just when it's off-site, like venue stuff, like the orchestra does not play a note past 10.30 p.m. Right. So everyone get out. <laughs> right. Yeah, James, I mean, the the union stuff, I mean, you say that, but I mean, have you done, you must have done some location stuff in kind of like municipal venues and stuff. Oh, and infuriating. I mean, it's yeah. just kind of where someone, someone, someone's holding the yeah. keys. Mr. You know, Sorry, I thought jang- you were here right. to make things easier. <laughs> yeah, you're jangling the keys. Do you expect that to make my legs go faster with this? I case, hate you know? that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to jump in on 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 a couple of things here. Of just kind of like your pricing debate. I totally get that, Audrey. Of, of kind of like what what are you going to do with it? There's a, there's a really mm-hmm. interesting um, distinction to to make here. Of basically, um, the ideal is to kind of like is to price according to how much you want you want the work. And you know, there's mm-hmm. that whole thing about pricing it like you don't want it, which you know is, is a lovely position to be in. But people can only do that once they're working pretty much to capacity. Right. And then you get the and the the issue that so many people have is that there's two ways you can be you can you can either be uh, time rich or or money rich but it's kind of the trick is to be both you know and uh, <laughs> which have you got least of and that's how you need to price stuff. Um, what I was wondering about was um, it was interesting what you were saying about working on a project rate mm-hmm. uh, because I mean part of taking hourly bookings I mean. It, I can see how doing something like an hour-long booking for kind of like I want to come in play the piano, yeah, that's not a problem because they're coming to you and you're set up and it's minimal setup time. We're usually talking minimum booking booking times, and very often if we're at the budget end of things, we need to maybe have a kind of a reality check conversation with people coming in about how much they need, how much time they need to book. Yes, and it's kind yes. of like, okay, you really think we can do all of that in a day? Well, you know, and and negotiating these things upwards. The converse of that, and something that I'm very keen on to do with like charging by the project, is it's very difficult to do just because you're taking a bit of a risk. Um, I mean, I can only think of one thing I did last year where I kind of priced it wrong. And it definitely took me significantly longer to do on quite a large project. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I dread to think actually 
what I was making per hour on that project. But hey, you know, I have was, a couple of those. It too. was it was it was worth <laughs> doing in retrospect. Do. But yeah, <laughs> but I think I only I only made one major mistake last year. But um, the thing about it is. And something that I built into another job that I was doing was I was going, okay, here's how we're going to price this. And while that might sound like it's kind of uh, um, it's it's a license for me to 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 print money, it's not. What we're doing is we're incentivizing speed. We're in, we're we're incentivizing me to get on with it and get it done. And if I can get the job done to the standard that you're looking for in less time, then that's good. <laughs> Just because right. if we're pricing it by the hour, then what you're doing is you're incentivizing me doing it as slowly as possible. Because the longer it <laughs> takes me, the longer more it costs you, and that's not. That's not in anyone's interest, and you know, I mean, these are things we don't tend to come straight out with it. But I, yeah, project pricing is difficult, but it works for everyone when it's done right. That's definitely something I, I'm more and more of the opinion of. Hourly pricing is kind of like okay, it's, I'm I'm protecting myself from my own inability to know how long this is going to take or how much work's involved, which is fair enough because you don't know those things on the way in. I think I think pricing is easier when you have more details about the job. Right. Because That's someone will someone will come to me and say, "Right, I've got a band I want to record." Well, okay. Cool. That, great. <laughs> fantastic. Good on you. Um where? Your place. Okay. How many is in the band? 15. Okay, we can't do it at mine. <laughs> um do you have a rehearsal space you use? Yes. Is it available? Yes. Should we do it there? Oh, it doesn't sound very good there. Oh, okay. Um, you know, People, I love I love the term blue sky thinking. When someone comes to me and says, "I've I've got this problem. Um, how can we work together to fix it?" Now, do you know how many times that's ever happened in my career? Never. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's never happened because people come to you with solutions. They say, "I want to record my band in your studio." Great. And then they think that's it. They think that's all that needs to be said for that to happen. Right. Or, or even worse, they start explaining to you how it's going to happen. And it's kind of like, well, oh, I thought that was the me bit. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm quite lucky. I mean, because so much of my time is taken up with production expert work, um, I, I, I am able to pick and choose the studio projects I work on, as in the bands I work with, the, the artists I work with. And often I'm able to you know, there's a certain amount of overlap. I'm able to say to artists, look, if we can use this particular track for a production expert article, then maybe we can do, we can have another day doing some of your stuff and I'll just throw the two together. And, you know, there's there's always a deal to be done. There's always a package right. to be created. Mm -hmm. But I want, I'd love someone to come to, come to me be, and be realistic. First of all, the realistic thing is you, and if you are top and I'm picking this particular location in the world because this is how they do it day in, day out. If you are a top Nashville session player, you are booked for three hour, three, three hour sessions a day. I believe this is how it works. Um, having not ever done a Nashville gig, I can't really <laughs> quote. And there's many reasons why I haven't, mainly the Musicians Union in America. But hey, moving on. Um, and in the, that three hour session, a good band can probably get through three tracks. Because they're all top of their game. They just go through the motions, read the chart, play. Job done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, how many times do you think that's ever happened in my career? Never. <laughs> because bands say, oh, we can get through 10 songs. We do a we do a gig. We, we can get through 10 songs. We'll just play through our set and yeah. that'll be fine. Yeah, of course. And, and of course, that's exactly how it works. When you record a live gig, 
I did a uh, my first job of 2020 was recording a a show called One Night with Amy, uh, an Amy Winehouse tribute at the Jazz Cafe in Camden. Well, well known mu- music venue, live music venue, um, and they played the whole set. And I, I, I went through genuinely. I went, these are a good bunch of musicians, and we, we they did the whole set, and it sounded awesome. It's only when you listen back to it do you start to hear the the squeaky doors and the and the, the slight <laughs> bum notes and the slight tuning issues. And on a live gig, there is nothing you can do about it. That's what you've captured. Now in the studio, of course, we have the the, the amazing sort of instant playback, and people go, "Oh, I can you know I could just do one more just to get rid of that little squeak there." Or and those extra one mores will take you from ten songs a day to three tops. Right. I mean, I, I've never worked with a band where we've done more than four songs in one day, even when I've been playing in the band. And I'm quite handy with some sticks. So I think the first thing for anyone to to get over is don't think you're going to be able to go in and on one day play through your entire live set and it'll be, it'll be record ready. It won't. It just won't. Um, and if you think it is, you are invited to come down at, for free and do your entire set down with, here with me for a day and then we'll listen back to it and then you can pay me. Um, <laughs> second thing is people, people forget there is a well-known documented medical condition called red light fever. Yes. And people forget about that. People think that, that they'll play it through and they'll run it through at home. They'll run it through in their com- in their comfy place, and it'll be perfect. As soon as you, Julian, or I press record, mm-hmm. the sweats kick in, um, and it, it's all over. You know that that moment, that red night fever, red light fever kicks in, mm-hmm. and it and it is a whole nother ball game of pain. Now, red night red light fever can definitely be a good thing because it can take you to improvisational places that you would never normally go and can can create some amazing performances and some very amazing happy accidents. Um, certainly I've had a few of those in my career that I've gone, wow, there's no way I'll ever play that again. Right. But again, this all slows down that 10 tracks in a day process. Audrey, stop me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I think that you're totally, you're totally right. I mean, anyone who's, I think, recorded something in a studio would agree. Um, yeah, I've got an, an artist that I just started working with now who's who's luckily very realistic. Like she'll she'll come in and we'll have a day where we do one song and we get it done kind of top to bottom, just that one track, and then she releases it the next month. So we've got this like kind of built in year where we'll eventually reach an album uh, set up for her. Um, but I did want to go back to the the project rate because for her, um, I did set up something more along those lines instead of an hourly rate just so that she'd have some kind of consistency uh, for budgeting for the year. And um, I, I wanted to do something where I still built in some time for revisions, but I've noticed that I tend to uh, end each email with, let me know if you need any changes, which of course invites (laughs) minuscule (laughs) changes (laughs) over the course of, you know, three or four emails rather than just in like one bulleted list that's easy to get through. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking, who's going to mention revisions? Because that's the thing that... (laughs) Exactly. um, And people, I mean, I've heard many people say, oh, I play incredibly hardball. I'm thinking that's tough actually because if your client goes away unhappy, then yes. you know you're in a. 
The best thing I've seen to do with this actually was um, Sarah's piece before Christmas about mm-hmm. managing client expectations. Um, and yes, anyone who and hasn't I, read that, go and read it. It's the best advice I've seen written down all in the same place in a long time. Reading that made me an extra $200 this year. Cause, or I guess this last year. Well, I read it too. Um, Where's my money? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, no, she uh, had mentioned, uh, you know, outlining the project of, or the scope of the project. And if the scope changes, not being afraid to, you know, mention that, that, hey, this has changed. This is not initially what we agreed on. And I had an audiobook project where um, we agreed on a rate that is per finished hour of the book. So if the hour or if the book comes out to, you know, six hours long, you get the rate times six, uh, no matter what the tracking or editing time was like. Now, usually audiobooks are pretty pretty cut and dry like that rate is is great sometimes I come out ahead it really depends on the reader um but this last one I I had someone who was literally starting and stopping a sentence three times it took 60 hours to edit an eight-hour book yes yes I think we've had that person on this podcast before (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry, Audrey. I, I really should stop doing voiceovers. I didn't want to mention your name, but you know. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I told them the the publisher. I was like, "Hey, this is very unusual um, for a book like this," and they, you know, upped the their rate a little bit to kind of make up for it. So, um, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, it, it was uh, five ways to get the best feedback notes or something like that. Um, uh, I'm trying to get the exact title because I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to look it up, if you haven't read it, and this is relevant to you, do read it because five ways to get the best feedback notes from your online clients. That's what it's called. So yeah, definitely check that one out if you haven't read it already. Because uh, one one thing, so the last thing I want to bring up on sort of this particular um, topic is something. This is this is not it's it's a discussion piece obviously but something I've learned much better in the last year than I have probably in my career before that um, and it's something that I'm far better at doing with new clients than I am with old ones and especially when someone says you know can you do me a mates rates deal oh I just cringe mm-hmm. is talking about money upfront I will if if I get a new client come to me now one of the first parts of the conversation and it, it might make me out to be some kind of absolute you know money grabbing whatnot one of the first parts of the conversation is this is what i charge mm-hmm. because at that point i i think it sets a precedent they they know you're serious they know you don't just do this for fun they know this is what you do for a living and unfortunately in today's world uh, earning a living means charging money we don't live in a bartering society anymore. Can, there can be a little bit of that going on, you know. Um, I've certainly been known to do live shows and things for for gear, you know. That, that has been known. But these days, it is, this is my rate. This is what I charge. Let's talk about your project. At that point, if they're not interested, if, if that makes them gulp, then they're not someone you should be working with. I've spent way too many years being apologetic about how much I charge or getting to the end of a project and then saying, well, you know, this is going to cost you this much. And then they just fall over and go, wow, you're expensive. And it's it's just the wrong way to do it. So if if I can impart one piece of advice into this podcast, the first of the Production Expert podcast of 2020, <laughs> it is 
Do not be afraid about charging your rate. However, if you are a day one, week one engineer and you're working with a day one, week one band, don't think you can charge the same as a pro who's been at it all their life. Charge accordingly, but don't be shy about charging. Mm -hmm. For people right at the very beginning of their careers, and there's a kind of a lot of people, you know, fresh out of college, stuff like that, say there are other ways to be paid other than in money. The only one that isn't acceptable is is exposure. (laughs) But as long as you paid something other than exposure, then consider die of exposure. (laughs) Exposure dollars don't go down well at supermarkets, I've discovered. Just pay them back with exposure. Like, you'll go and post about their grocery store on Facebook or something. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. We all know how well <laughs> that goes. Let's, let's park this one for now, um, because we can, uh, and let's move on to info about competitions, or should that be competition Indeed. Uh, the Production Expert Christmas Prize Draw competition is now closed. Uh, that closed uh, at the end of 2019. Um, we're busy contacting people who won. Uh, the uh, win stories will be, over the over January, updated to winner stories, so you can find out who won. However, if it's you, we will email you. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't heard from us, then... Uh, Chances are Sorry. you have but, you know, <laughs> but many people have. I've certainly spoken to a few people who've had a very, very good new year. So, you know, um, uh, if that's you, then well done. If it's not, then commiserations, try again. But, yeah, keep your eye out for who won because everybody wins these things. These aren't fictitious prizes. They do actually go to real people. Sadly, they don't go onto our rigs and into our collections of toys, do they? No, they don't. No, definitely not. No. Um Talking points at number two, um, it's it feels like Christmas has come early this year because <laughs> uh, next Tuesday, the 14th, I think it is, uh, myself, Julian, Dan, Paul Drew, uh, the lovely Audrey uh, and Eli are all jetting off to warmer climes, that being Yay. Anaheim, California for the 2019 Winter Nam Show. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, now, we could talk about how much of a, an absolute love-in it's going to be and how wonderful it's going to be to be uh, in nice warmer climates in January. But no, that, that is for later on. Uh, I would like to find out what you guys are hoping to see at this year's Winter Nam. Julian, go, go. Tell, okay. tell me all. This is, this is one of those things that before every Nam show, I always think, well, what is there left to be done? Seriously, what is there left to be done? Haven't we kind of like reached peak tech and is is that it? And uh, things are just going to get uh, cheaper and more derivative from here on in. And every year I see something that I think, that's genius. Why didn't I think of that? And then I remember that's because I'm not a genius. But um, top of my list is something simple and new that solves a problem that everyone's got in a way that's better. And that, I know that's a bit vague. I'll give you an example. The thing that's uh, that my most surprising kind of thing from last year's NAM show actually ended up being the uh, Sonic's drum gate. I know I've spoken about that a few times, actually. I keep coming back to it because it's a great example of what something new should do. Of like, you know that annoying thing you spend ages doing? Look at this. And it's this kind of like... It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when they showed it to me, I went, oh, Drumgate, really? That's not very sexy. And then I tried it when it was finished and went, oh, actually, this is brilliant. So, you know, I don't know what this year's Sonox Drumgate will be for me, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it because it's just going to be 
Um, I, I hope I recognise it this time because I didn't recognise it uh, last year. But there is going to be something. There is already something at the NAM show that I'm going to go, that's fantastic. Why didn't I think of it? And you know how the best ideas are always simple? Mm-hmm. And that's what it is, actually. Okay, so there's my first one. Anyone else? Audrey. So for Nam, I am really excited. I was uh, talking with Butch Vig a while ago, and he said he's going to be, uh, he's been working on some project with some company that I will not name just in case, but um, I, I'm really excited to see what he's cooking up. Um, but as you know, I'm, I'm kind of covering events uh, this, this time around at, at Nam, so I'm checking out a lot of the uh, tech tracks that are offered. Um, that's mostly education focused. So seminars on marketing for yourself. Um, Yeah, how to better run your business and do the engineering thing also. What about you, James? Um, It's a tricky one because um, I am fairly well read when it comes to a lot of the kind of the pro audio and music kind of online magazine type sites, if, if you will. I already know that a lot of the instrument manufacturers are kind of drip feeding us stuff that will be coming out. Like, for example, Ibanez Guitars have, have mm-hmm. pretty much given us their their lineup, the new guitar lineup for NAM, which is quite exciting if you like Ibanez Guitars. Um, we don't tend to get that from the tech community. Now, you may think out there in podcast land that we are sitting on all the facts and all the figures out days, weeks, months before they hit, <laughs> they hit the NAM show. Um, that does happen a little bit, but we are normally talking hours before the NAM show, not days or weeks. Uh, there are a few pieces that certainly I've seen and gone, mm, that's going to be rather lovely, that will be hitting the floor uh, day one of NAM on the Thursday, which would be fantastic. But there's... There's always some stuff that catches you out and is always the thing that makes you go, oh, I like that. That doesn't just solve a, 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 a global music need, if you like, a global studio need. It solves a very specific me type need. Um, and sometimes those, those, or it ticks a box in my brain where I go, do you know what? I could use that. I, I could really employ that in my studio workflow, my production workflow, whatever. Um so I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to see what our partners are cooking up. Um, there's, I'm, I'm hearing interesting kind of rumours from certain brands and going, "Oh, I like the sound of that. That sounds cool." Is it going to be ready for now? Oh, we're not sure. You know, we're not going to um, uh, go off too soon to try and find an, uh, a child-friendly version of what I was going to say. Um, so it's 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 always interesting going around and seeing the people you know and say, "Don't get me wrong." The NAM show is full of meet and greet and hi and how you doing and all that sort of stuff. But I, I like going around to the to the the booths and seeing what's going on and seeing the new stuff first before I then get X person from that brand come and give me the official press lowdown. I know one of your one of your big remits this year, Audrey, is going to be not actually just just going around the booth, is it? You're going to hit a lot more of the seminars and the talks and things. Yes, uh, my first one is uh, Thursday, just like a couple hours after my plane lands, actually. So uh, it'll be tight. But um, it, it's with Sound Girls. They're doing a bunch of um, educational uh, seminars in partnership with AES. And I'm going to one about recording arts with Leslie Ann Jones. So I'm really excited for that. That'll be very, very cool. The, I suppose the other thing I like is is actually 
when the how many are we? How many are we? Four, five, six of us this t- this time get together and share the things we found at the show, because mm-hmm. you can't get to now. There's four, five, six, seven, eight, so much nine halls in total, plus all the in- the bigger companies that have their own halls. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nine main halls. There is no way that any one person could get round the whole thing and do you know, numbers of meetings and things that we all have sort of commitments to do. So it's almost like divide and conquer, I think. Absolutely. So it's, mm-hmm. what have you seen? What's cool? Where will I find it? What do you think I'll like it? That sort of thing. So that's definitely a something I'm looking forward to because not, you know, I can go around and see a thing, but you might go to a particular booth and go, oh, that's really cool. James will like that. Drop me a text or whatever and I'll <laughs> straight in. <laughs> Um, Julian, any, anything you're particularly excited about? Well, I'm I'm just going to put it out there, but I I want to see something really good from Avid, <laughs> just because mm-hmm. it's just it's time. Come on, let's have something. I've I've no idea what's coming, uh, but it would be really nice to see something good. Um, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, the first release of of Pro Tools 2020 with something interesting for music production. Because I mean, I was looking back over what happened in Pro Tools in 2019 and it's a very posty kind of year um interesting year actually because there was various things that kind of were announced but didn't happen for a little while and uh, so the first half of the year there wasn't a great deal going on but then back end of the year the majority of it was atmos based which is great you know and uh interesting for people who are working in atmos but there's an awful lot of people who aren't working in atmos so yeah i want to see something there the other thing actually is um, what I want to see is uh, there is so much, what should we call it, harvesting <laughs> of heritage products and of kind of historical products and products with uh, that cast a long shadow, should we put it that way? And That's so many people, it. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, let's kind of, you know, stay out of the kind of the rights and wrongs. I mean, nobody's, nobody is doing anything particularly illegal, but there's plenty of people who are benefiting from work that they didn't do, someone else did. And I would really like to see the people who are still in business, who made groundbreaking products, actually capitalise on them a bit more. Um, I've got a really good example. Um, I, I actually, I mean, I've got half a feeling that something might be around the corner. I don't know anything. Again, if I did, then I wouldn't be saying this. But um, I'd love to see Roland do something with their back catalogue because everyone else seems to be <laughs> doing really well. Going, yeah, eight two eight, nine oh nine, classic synths, you know. And um, uh, yeah, come on, Roland, what are you doing? So yeah, I mean, I know they brought out the um, uh, they've brought out a, a couple of things recently that nod in that direction. But people have been saying for years, why don't they just do some reissues? And I think I think they'd make a killing if they did. Um, but you know, we're well, not a killing necessarily. But they'd they'd plant a right. flag. They would plant. I think it would pay for itself. Put it that way. But uh, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm being totally unrealistic there. But it just seems a pity when you see stuff like that and just think, yeah, come on do it uh it's not like other people haven't done it i mean i've got a bit of a sort of inner synth nerd and i mean kind of anime korg have been doing a bit of that stuff recently oh not super recently but a little while ago they certainly brought out some uh, reissues of stuff and yeah that'd be nice to see audrey what floats your your nam boat so last year i didn't get around to actually visiting this area but i've heard that there is a components area um, have either of you heard of this where it's just like you can walk in and it's just 
components for microphones. Just get for a cinematic transformer. Hall E. Hall E downstairs. Hall E. Okay. Yeah. I, I did not get a chance to make it out there uh, last year. Me and James did a whistle stop tour uh, last year around yes. there, didn't I? Yeah, and I'm, I'm like so not into just like building anything of my own, but I'm going with, uh, I have a friend from college who's coming with me and he loves just nerding out about all of that stuff. And so I want to learn some stuff from him, I think, and just walk around and see what, if we can put something together. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't checked out that hall at all. So. It's, it's very interesting down there. There's a lot going on. I'll tell you something from last year that really surprised me. Was, um, remember those uh, Carbon Fibre guitars we played? Yes. They were great. I had never Amazing. played one before. And, I mean, they weren't cheap, but they, they d- didn't sound cheap either. But, yeah, absolutely. A bit a bit too nice for a kind of campfire guitar. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> an if you left campfire but guitar. If, yeah, but if you, <laughs> if you left it out overnight, it wouldn't care. Yeah, that's <laughs> it true. Really wouldn't. So, yeah, no, they were, they were awesome. Okay, so my final one is actually a piece of gear. Um, for anyone um, of you, any of you who out there know, I have a particular affiliation with a rather competitively priced digital console, and they've just brought out the update. I am gagging to see a Behringer Wing. I'm going to try one too. I'm excited. I want to see one of those quite badly because it you know, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, the X32 was such a great piece of kit. Um, if this is anything like the the next generation Big Brother from that, this is going to do incredibly well. Okay, I'm going to um, chuck something in on there. If you're doing that, then come with me over to see the guys at Allen and Heath because yes. they've just. I mean, they've got they do their SQ, which I've mm-hmm. had quite a, spent quite a long time uh, with, and it's a really impressive console. And uh, they've just brought out a new one, which is a bit more money, but I haven't yet checked out. Um, but uh, yeah, I intend to, and uh, yeah, re- they're they're doing some really interesting stuff. I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. And the and the Behringer looks very good, and kind of it's hard to compete with Behringer stuff on price. But there's more to it than just price, and this is no Absolutely. slouch. So mm-hmm. so let's go and check it out. I think we should make a, cool. a, a NAM date for that. Maybe the three of us can... I should can... probably point out that this Let's is ridiculous talking about... I'm talking about f- flying thousands of miles to go and visit a company whose headquarters are about uh, eight miles away from where I am at the moment. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got so many stories of, of people who I've met at NAM and, and, and been chatting and said, oh, where are you from? I said, oh, orig- I'm from London, but originally I'm from a little town called Ipswich. They went, we're from Ipswich. I went... Whereabouts, you know, and it turns out that they're kids and I went to school, things like that. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. bizarre, bizarre stories. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's stop all the, the namification. Oh, do you see what I did there? <laughs> um, and let's dive in with that there, Source Element Sting. Go! The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you have ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Lovely. And let's dive into our find of the week. These are sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions. 
RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shaw, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, you can book a demo, so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. Which mics do you need? Hmm... All, All of them. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, a stereo pair of everything, please. Yes. Uh, Audrey, tell us about your find of the week. My find of the week, first find of the week of 2020, um, is a warm audio bus compressor uh, that they just debuted, uh, I, I think on the first of the year. They they launched a couple of new things, this bus compressor being one, um, and DI boxes uh, I saw as well. Um, so I'm not sure if they'll have anything else coming out at NAM. They probably will. But um, I know I'm looking forward to trying out this this compressor. It's a two channel uh, VCA compressor. Um, I haven't really had a chance to listen to it, unfortunately. I think we can. I think we can use the phrase G bus compressor, and you know, be fairly confident it's going to have a lot of that sort of rather lovely right. SSLness about it. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the thing I'm kind of always look at right away is the dynamic range of a piece of gear, just with recording with orchestra uh, uh, instruments and stuff that that is a very huge dynamic range. And this one has uh, 120 dB. So I think that that would that would do quite nicely for me. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with it. Uh, cool. What about you, uh, Julian? Right, mine is is Dynaudio's Core 47 monitors. I, I looked at the Core 59 and the Core 7 last year, and and I was impressed actually. I mean, I was uh, it's a, it's a funny one just because I it's one of those uh, experiences where I didn't start off that excited. I was like, nah, speakers, schmeekers, you know. And <laughs> the longer I used them, I went, actually, I'll tell you what. And it was exactly the same with these. I I did them. Uh, I spent time with them uh, over the break. Um, and I was kind of sort of reluctant because I was going, what am I doing? I'm working. I should be having time off. But um, because of that, I was kind of glaring at them slightly resentfully going, oh, work. And um, <laughs> actually, it's not work sitting there with a hi-fi tidal connection, just listening to a load of stuff and going, I tell you what, this sounds amazing. And uh, no, they're, they're really nice. Um, just right in terms of kind of size. And I'm such a fan of three-way monitors these days. Um, that yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I I can't really fault them. They are a spot on pair of monitors, and I would happily have a pair of these stay. Um, unfortunately, I think these ones will go back because uh, I'm not planning on buying any monitors. But if I was, I'd definitely go for some of these uh, for the shortlist because uh, I've enjoyed them a great deal. Really put to bed, kind of. I've I've had a bit of a thing for for a while about kind of uh, poor timing. Uh, and kind of overhang and over-resonant cabinets uh, from ported cabinets and really going, yeah, you know, sealed boxes is the way to go. And that works, but, you know, these really kind of reinforce the fact that, you know, there's a reason why the majority of monitors are ported, because if you do it right, they sound great. And these do, they sound absolutely spot on. That test should be out, uh, I don't know, next week or so, at a guess, but it's done, ready to go. And yeah, if you're interested, have a look. James, what about you? This is going to sound so cliche, but hey, I don't care. Um, we as a team took, I won't say an enforced Christmas break because, you know, no one can stop you doing stuff. But with the family this year and everything, I said, right, 
you know, I'm going to actually not work for two whole weeks. Three weekends, two whole weeks off. And you know what? It was absolutely glorious. I had, I did have one event that I, I was recording on the, on January 1st. Um, but that was a, an external job. It was a pop out in the afternoon, stay through to the evening, et cetera, et cetera. I have set foot in the studio about three times, mainly to make sure everything was okay and that the heating was on. And <laughs> that's about it. I have come back this morning with a new level of studio enthusiasm because I, I think I was getting quite sluggish and quite kind of, oh, not again, towards the mm-hmm. end of 2019. And I've set foot in here this morning and gone, right, let's have it. Pretty much, I think has been was my my thoughts. Let's dive straight in and go hard or go home. And as home's not very far away, I can do that if I need to. Uh, but I didn't. I stayed and I've had a great day. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm. The the enthusiasm and the emphasis I'm trying to keep up for 2020. I'm sure there will be ups and there will be downs. But you know, certainly I've come in first first working day back of the year, and life is good and life is fine. So on that positive, ever positive moment from me, it is time for us to uh, pick up sticks, pick up stumps and head off. Uh, Audrey, myself, uh, Dan, Paul, uh, Julian, anybody else coming with us? Eli, we'll hopefully see you at the NAMM show next week. But until then, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night. <laughs>